Welcome to Founders Focus, a podcast made for founders by founders. I'm Scott Case, CEO and co-founder of Upside, and we created Founders Focus to share free resources and actionable advice. Together, we're building a community for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders to come together to tackle today's challenges. This podcast is powered by the awesome team at Upside. I'm super excited to be joined today by Forrest Key, who is the founder and CEO of Voodle. And uh, we're going to talk about what happens when you find product market fit, and then all of a sudden a pandemic hits and accelerates a whole bunch of things. Uh, but before we get to that, Forrest, could you just tell us about your founder journey and how did you get where you are now with Voodle? Well, I've been, thanks for having me, Scott. Um, I've been a founder a couple times now. Uh, Voodle is kind of my fourth company uh, where I've started kind of from scratch and, you know, building Ikea furniture and hooking up printers and hiring the team and trying to figure out the market. Um, in the past, my startups have been born from kind of my passions. My first startup, I, I worked in the film industry and visual effects. So I built some visual effects software. Uh, my second uh, most successful startup effort was a travel company. I love travel and being in hotels. So I, I built a, a SaaS product for the hotel industry. And in the case of Voodle, it was actually a pivot from a VR company. I was very passionate about VR company called Pixvana. And we ended up pivoting and, and kind of reforming around Voodle, which is what I'm doing now. So it's my fourth uh, product software company that I've done. Oh, well, if we have time, I want to get into that pivot game because everybody hears about these mythical pivots, but um, few have really actually made them work and survived. So you've clearly yeah. done that. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Voodle adventure. Like, where were you in 2019, I know you were just in the process of starting the company, but let's talk about that that pivot piece of it, but also like, what was the basic idea that you, problem you were trying to solve and then how are you solving it? Yeah, you know, essentially as a VR company, Pixvana, we had this great team, a ton of great technology, but we were just waiting on the VR market. The virtual reality market was very slow to get going. So the insight around Voodle was, you know, what can we do with our, our toys, our technology and our team that would address a, a billion user market very quickly? And what was very clear in 2019 is that people were using their phones, obviously not, not just a little, but a lot. And in particular, people were starting to use their phones to communicate socially with short video. So Snap and Instagram stories, there's over a billion short videos made and sent a day between consumers. Look who I'm with, look what I'm eating, look where I am, look what I'm you know, experiencing. So kind of projecting a sense of themselves to their friends and family. And this essentially the idea for Voodle is that what if people did that at work as well? So Voodle is a short asynchronous video platform for people to express themselves and kind of connect uh, empathetically with their colleagues or the people they work with. And we started that in, in 2019, literally like December, January. Uh, restructured the company in the pivot, got going about three, four weeks. Uh, so we were early in development, hadn't released a product yet. And the pandemic hit and things shut down and, and it's been an adventure ever since. So do you think that, that the short video format was served by the fact that everybody, certainly knowledge workers in the United States quickly went remote, right? Like most most people tack back to like March 13th or 14th. That was it. Like then anybody who could, they went remote. Did that pose challenges for you or were you, or do you feel like you were set up for it? Talk a little bit about like that 
playing into, I guess, that big shift that kind of happened overnight? Yeah, I think you're you're asking kind of, well, there's two profound answers. One is Voodle itself, a team of about 15 folks, how it affected us and how we went about building a product. You know, we decentralized from our office, obviously. We actually moved out of our office in April and decided we were going to commit to being a remote first team indefinitely. So that was a huge cultural transformation for our team. Uh, we actually have continued to hire uh, instead of being a Seattle-based team, which we were previously, now about half of our team is dispersed throughout the United States. So we're fully remote, committed remote. And that's been its own journey, learning how to do that and do that well. Um, but as far as the product goes and the relevance of our product to the market, I wish I could tell you that it was like a no-brainer that like, oh, it, because everyone was remote, suddenly they were drawn to the idea of short video work. But it turns out that like getting users to behave differently, to try new things, to, to shift their behaviors in terms of the tools that they use on their phone or their desktop is actually herculean and hard in all times. And particularly hard actually during the pandemic. It turns out during the pandemic, a lot of people you know, retreat to this kind of safety and comfort of the tools that they're used to using, the modalities they're used to using. So it has not been gangbusters like, oh my God, everybody's looking for short video at work. Far from it. We've had to be really clever really instrument the product, really work hard at finding the sweet spot to get people to try something new and adopt something new. So let's, let's talk about that, that behavior change piece, right? So you're, you're in an enterprise sale, whether it's a small company or a big company, it's still that sort of process to adopt. What, what do you think, just in terms of advising other founders, have you found some insights into tips and tricks for driving that adoption to, to make it, to make the path easier for people to make the behavior change and, and whether it's inside Voodle as an illustration or, or elsewhere. Yeah. I think, you know, if I could go back and give myself advice a year later, you know, I always say, if you, if you didn't, if you want to go back and do things differently, you didn't learn anything. And if you didn't learn anything, then what the hell are you doing? So yes, I've learned a lot. I would do things totally differently knowing what I know now. In particular, I think I probably in all the products that I've, I've made, but in particular with Voodle, because it is a viral product where you would start adopting it, using it with colleagues, those colleagues would use it with other colleagues, and you have like a very product-led growth kind of model. So it's really critical to spark that initial phase of kind of adoption and usage. And I think we over-invested for the first year of building the product in the features that would make a lot of sense once you had already adopted the product, as opposed to the features that were going to drive you to adopt the product, what we call setup now colloquially inside of the company. So we've shifted almost all of our attention away from like the robust features that, that I, for example, use in Boodle all the time because I'm a big adopter. I use Boodle all the time. So there's a lot of great features for me as a frequent user. But it turns out that what we need to spend a lot more time on, and we've been doing the last three or four months, we're about to do a big release next week, is what do you do for the person coming in for the very first time to allow them to set up the product and get kind of hooked and get, get that first cycle going for them? You know, a little bit of like a single player mode so that there's things they can do without colleagues in the product. And then maybe a modality, like the big thing we're working on right now is an unauthenticated modality so that when you come into the product, you don't have to like create a username and password, name your team members, wait for them to join, a bunch of like IT administration. Turns out that's no fun. What is fun is making and sending videos and having people watch your videos. So uh, starting next week, when you open the app, there's a button that says make a voodle. And that takes you to the camera and you're making a video. And now I can send it to you over iMessage or Slack or any of the, the, the places that you normally share messages. Whereas we spent, in the, in particularly in the first six months of the product on the market, it was all about IT administration. It was like, welcome, Scott. 
give us username and password. Who are you going to work with? What are their, uh, you know, what's the domain that you're using? And that was no fun. So we had a lot of breakage, you know, 85, 90% of people wouldn't get very far because they were stuck in IT administration. It seems so self-evident now, a year later, but man, oh man, if I could talk to 10, you know, founders about to start their projects, I would say, think about the first time user getting them going. Think of that as the number one goal for the first phase of the project. And then build into that over time the features that are going to make them, you know, want to come back every day. Like we started the opposite way. Yeah, it's such good advice and so hard to see, especially when, as you put it, you know, when you're using your own product as much as you are, you're running into all kinds of friction because you've adopted it. And so your natural instinct is to figure out how to reduce that friction. But if nobody can get in and start using it, it doesn't matter. Uh, and absolutely and at the same time, you're, you know, you're building an MVP out and that notion of kind of what's that first hook. And, and you touched on it here, which was, Hey, we're in the short video making business. Let's get you to make that first one. And I love what you said about single player mode. So I'm curious, you know, I see a lot of products that they're, they're early on very interested in getting the, the, the expand part, right? They, they say that let's get you expanding into it. Let's get you to do this stuff. How have you had the discipline to really build out things that are in that single player mode? Like how has that been for creating, for your product team, creating the roadmap and where have you set the discipline around that? And, and, and then I want to come back to like, how are you measuring that you've done a good job? Yeah, I think initially, uh, like all of my startups, the initial product was really built for me. And I think sometimes that works really well. Uh, like when I was doing visual effects, I was working at Lucasfilm. I, I actually worked on Star Wars. My name's in the credits of the Star Wars films. Uh, I knew a lot about visual effects. And in particular, in the mid 90s, I knew a lot about certain workflows for visual effects. And I went off and built a great product. And that product really solved the problem for the market. And when we took it, it was almost like instant product market fit, right? Because I was essentially building a product for myself. Um, with other products, it's a lot trickier. Uh, in the hotel space, I didn't actually know the hotel industry. So I was building a product for hoteliers, myself never having operated a hotel. So there was a lot more trial and error to get that right, to really understand the customer needs. In the case of Voodle, um, I think we didn't do enough research with different person users to understand how different users would approach uh, from a demographics perspective or a personality perspective, approach the, the kind of anxiety that might be produced by the selfie camera being turned on and suddenly you're talking, you're monologuing to the selfie camera. Uh, it turns out young folks, people in their teens and 20s, very, very comfortable. They're, they're, they're selfie camera native. So pretty much all of our research has shown that you give it to a 22-year-old and they're going to be fine. They're going to just improvise and try some things. But it turns out 30, 40, and 50-year-olds struggle mightily. And there's also some gender uh, di uh, differences in terms of male-female, uh, cultural differences, different parts of the world. And, and thematically, it turns out you can't just turn on the camera and say, go, you actually have to give some inspiration, some utility direction. Like this is the kind of thing that you, Scott, uh, or you, Billy, or you, Sarah, this is what you might do with short video. This is why you might use short video instead of a Zoom call or a Slack uh, text message or email or whatever other modality you're using. So user research, getting in front of focus groups. We actually hired a, a UX research firm that helped us 
um, really uncover a lot of user needs and user opportunities that I think we, we couldn't just get to by thinking about ourselves. Um, it wasn't just like, hey, how would I use the product? We needed to go beyond that. And I think that that discipline um, sometimes is difficult because you want to go fast, you want to go fast, you want to go fast. I always believe in like shipping things, watching them fail and trying something else as opposed to perfectly ideating in the lab and thinking about the, the, the exact solution for the market. But it, it, it turns out it's a balance. You have to do a little bit of both. And user research is really informing at this point some of the things that we're building. Yeah, your point about the about that user research component of it and really understanding the insights and recognizing, and this is really important, we are all building products for multiple generations now with very different digital expectations, social media experiences, et cetera. And you could even see it with Zoom. And I think that Zoom and video calls has probably helped you because more people are spending time in front of cameras than ever before. And uh, that's, that's you know, good and bad, depending on what, on, on what you're thinking about those things. But, but there is a comfort there. And your point about the, about uh, kind of the, the demographic and the psychographic shift. So we're in the business travel space. We have people who travel for work at all these, basically these generations and the generation sort of millennials, Gen Zers, they don't want to talk to anybody, right? They want to chat on the phone to be able to make a change. But then you got Gen Xers and boomers who want to pick up the phone and talk to a human being. And you've got to have all these systems in place to basically get to all of them. So I'm, I'm curious, have you have you adapted your onboarding to kind of lean into that and sort of let people skip steps if they're ready to go and, and bring people along on, a, on an onboarding journey that say, no, 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 let's, let's actually help you, as Alexander Graham Bell had to do, figure out what do you say when you answer the phone? You had to invent the idea of saying hello because that wasn't yeah. a thing. <laughs> so have you had to do yeah. those kinds of things? Yeah, in fact, wow, I hadn't, I'd heard that uh, Alexander Graham Bell anecdote before and I've traveled internationally and, and uh, lived overseas. So like in Japan, they say moshi moshi, which I think is really cute when they answer the phone. Um, but, you know, I hadn't thought of that in a while. You're absolutely right. That is exactly what we have to do. We have to tell people, this is how you voodle. Like it, to me, it seems so obvious. Like, oh, you just, you just, you're just yourself. You perform, you say the things you want to say, you express yourself. And, you know, voodle allows you to use the selfie camera primarily, but also the rear camera. So sometimes it's like, here's what I'm seeing, you know, in a construction company or gardening company, um, people physically documenting the spaces around them. But uh, we have a whole module we're building uh, that's been informed by several PhDs that have helped us with research around kind of seven or eight uh, categories of voodling and within that prompts to like get people going. So for example, uh, there's a, a bunch of fun ones that are just to spark conversation and human connection amongst the team, which is a great place to start. It's just like, hey, let's just have a little fun. Let's have a little bit of exchange where we reveal a little bit about ourselves. And that builds kind of psychological trust amongst the team and that social capital is necessary to then be able to collaborate through other means, including, you know, going through Zoom calls. So, for example, like defend a bad movie that you love and why or show us your pet or what's your office, your home office look like. Uh, in fact, classically, here I am looking at you, meeting you for the first time. And I see your cat person, which is great. There's only there's only one other cat person. There's a lot of dog people at Voodle. Uh, and I see a little bit of your home office vibe, just like you're seeing me. And that's part of our connection. So it turns out even with um, the Voodle team, 15 of the team that I worked with for years as part of the previous company, I didn't know how about their pets or about their home offices or their passions on the weekend. So some of that human connection, I've gotten to know my colleagues in some ways better during the pandemic than 
the kind of table stakes, coffee, walks and lunches and relevance we used to have, which I think we lazily leaned on those to think that we were really connecting and, and really understanding one another. It turns out explicitly making voodles and, and using short form video as a way to connect can lead to some profound uh, human connection. Yeah, I, I, I love the, the prompts. I think one of the things that I've observed in this now more, more companies are remote, more knowledge workers are remote, both from their teammates and from their clients, customers, partners, et cetera. We're doing a lot more of this video engagement and whether it's through short video form like you do, or just in general, we're, and I think one of the things that the pandemic has done well is it's allowed us to accept the fact that yes, I am roommates with the cat. I'm not really a cat person, but the cat lives with me. Um, and at the same time, the, 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 the empathy that can come along with the fact that, oh, you do have a dog, you do have family, you do have other things in your life. But the prompts piece, I remember early on when, you know, hey, we have breakout rooms in Zoom and you drop four people into a breakout room and they're all like, what do I do now? Right? Like, I kind of know everybody, but I, you know, probably half our team has, has joined in the last, in the last year or so. And that's a, not everybody knows everybody. Not everybody's been in the same room together. So I'm curious when you think about those, that shift in your observations, fast forward with me five years, look at all the trends, not just what's going on in Boodle, but like how, how immersive is video? You started in the VR space. So that's just, that's just straight up video 10X. Where do you see this goes at work with this video? Is it, is it multimodal? Do, does something settle in and it becomes uh, you know, one or more of them become dominant. How do you see this playing out over the next five years among knowledge workers in particular? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the camp that uh, work has forever been changed for many categories of workers, not just uh, strict information workers, but I think a lot of, of employment in the United States in particular, developed markets in the world is going to go to remote, uh, less commute, more work-life balance, opportunity to do focused individual work. So I, I, you know, even if only like 1% of all of jobs go in that direction, it's still a huge market. I think it's going to be 25, 30, 40%. I think the next decade is really going to be a different decade, you know, formed by the pandemic uh, shift. Within that space, to, I think you're right. Video is a, is a media type within our collaboration workflows, I think it's going to be dominant everywhere. I think you'll see it in Google Docs. I think you'll see video inside of Excel spreadsheets. Uh, certainly real-time meeting technologies like uh, like we're using here, Zoom. Um, I think, you know, for me personally, I had done some video conferencing in the previous years, but I think more often than not, I would do phone calls, right? So still using just voice telephony for synchronous meetings. Um, I think now, uh, you know, multiple apps on my desktop have a button that's like go into a, a, a real-time video conference, right? It's not just Zoom. I can do that at seven or eight apps on my desktop. Um, so I think we will be using video and projecting ourselves to audiences very, very regularly in the future. And in particular, the biggest, like the magic thing about a synchronous video in particular versus synchronous video, which we're doing on Zoom, is the inclusion uh, and the diverse voices that can participate. So it turns out on an 18 person call, that's how big our team is today on Zoom, 
the talking stick, you know, who gets to speak, who's, who dominates the conversation, who actually leads the conversation tends to be the same four or five personalities. And they're not necessarily the four or five people that are smartest or right all the time or have the most to say. They're just the personalities that feel most comfortable in that environment, taking the talking stick and going. When we move our conversations to Voodle and we say, hey, what, what do you think of the strategy? What do you think of this feature? Hey, this customer issue came up. When we have those thematic conversations asynchronously, we have a much higher rate of participation and you hear the quietest person who's a little bit kind of left brain engineer like suddenly speaks as confidently and projects herself as amply as the most aggressive red personality type on the team, you know, who is the, is the older, more experienced person. Suddenly their two voices are normalized and everyone has like an equal podium to participate. So I think one of the biggest transformations will, will be to bring forward diversity in all of its forms, age, experience, gender, tone, personality type. And, and that's probably what I'm most excited about in building Voodoo the company is kind of how it can bring diverse voices to the fore and help people like communicate and collaborate. I love that. I think the participation piece, even just the notion of asynchronous allows you to correct for it, right? It can edit it. Whereas in real time, I'm real time. It's, it's live baby and this is what it's gonna be. Um, all right, I have one last question for you. It's very selfish which is, okay, your whole team has gotten remote. A bunch of people are now outside of the Seattle region. How are you thinking about traveling for work? So, you know, we're, a, we're obviously a business travel company. How do you think about traveling for work? Are you, um, are you, do you have salespeople that are moving? What are you thinking about as it relates to travel for yourself and for your team? First and foremost, I mean, certainly there'll be, you know, I'll go to conferences, events to meet with clients, to meet with venture capitalists. So there's, there's like the traditional business travel of people like networking and, and traveling. But as a team, because we're now a remote team, travel for work is actually going to be a bigger part of our lives because in the past, maybe none of the engineers would travel at all. Maybe they go to one conference a year. Now, I think at least quarterly, everybody on the team will travel. So I actually think travel is going up overall for our you know, units of travel per, per individual on the team uh, by quite a bit, but maybe by a factor of five organizationally. So uh, our, we, we've been doing a bunch of, uh, because most of us are vaccinated, we've been doing a bunch of like offsites together, to get to know each other, to have fun together. So we don't go to like, we're going to go to Palm Springs in, in October. We're really excited for like our first all hands. Everybody gets to go to Palm Springs and we're going to, spend three days not trying to work, but rather just having fun and getting to know each other. So a lot of morale events, treasure hunt, cooking class, you know, that kind of stuff, because we have to be good at working together remotely, synchronously and asynchronously using the internet technologies. And we're doubling down, tripling down on those. So now travel for the team is less about work and more about how we kind of build bonds and relationships amongst our team. Uh, I personally, who am more in the sales posture, you know, partnerships, things like that, We'll be traveling quite a bit, like I used to. You know, probably you know every three or four weeks, a trip somewhere in the United States. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad you're bringing the team together. And I can't can't uh, agree with you more about the idea of creating those times in person where it's less about work and more about creating those bonds. So thank you. And and if you need a travel solution, I've got one for you um, <laughs> at Upside.com. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Founders Focus. We love getting feedback. So if you've got a topic for us that you want us to discuss, or you've got a founder you want to hear from, hit me up on LinkedIn at T. Scott Case, or you can always grab one-on-one -on -one time with me at foundersfocus.com. Stay awesome.